0: personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ.
1: everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living Better Story podcast. Uh, today, I've got someone interesting with me who moved across the country recently from San Diego to Arkansas and now lives on a lake in beautiful Arkansas. So she can be close to her family within an hour. And that's near and dear to my heart because my kids are both within 45 minutes. So that's important, uh, having a family. So Rebecca Monet is the CEO and chief scientist with Zorical Profiles. And we're going to get to know what Zorical Profiles is all about. But before that, we're going to get to know Rebecca. So, Rebecca, welcome to the show.
2: It's so good to be here, Chad.
1: I'm excited to talk because the, I always look first. I go to the end of the, the chase scene in the movie and find out, I wonder what question this guest might have asked me to ask them. And that usually tells me what the tone of the call is going to be. So let me give you the chase scene and then we'll rewind. What are your thoughts regarding being business, being a mission field?
2: Oh, Oh, yeah, I am big on that. I am actually a missionary's daughter. Uh, So this is near and dear to my heart where my parents chose to go into the mission field um, and it was their calling. Right. Um, I wasn't called to the mission field, but I am a, a big believer that my faith and my beliefs can be expressed through my business. I see the world of business as the last frontier of the mission field. So I think if each of us uh, saw ourselves like Paul, a tent maker and a evangelist and a missionary, that we have incredible opportunities right within our work, right within our businesses, with our clients, our employees, uh, to be spreading the word of God. So I, I am big on this.
1: Well, it's interesting because it's happened to me in the last year and a half, and probably a lot of other people during these interesting times, where the li- you, know, you have two lines, business and personal and mission, and they start to intersect over time. And it's wild because 25, 30 years of doing sales and now AI sales, uh, I've learned, oh, I can move one degree off and use all those tools that I built to help other nonprofits. I just hung up with a, a, a nonprofit that's in Buckhead, Buckhead Christian Ministries. And I was like, I don't know how I can help, but what are your needs? And I took two pages of notes and it's like for about $50 a month of my costs, I can give him $10,000 worth of business value. Wow. And it's like, got it. That's, that's how just, just opening your ears to God. What do you want me to do with my business and my life? How can I help not just a few dozen people, but how can I help thousands of people and expose them to your word is like, okay, now I get it.
2: But I think you, you hit the nail on the head there where we have to keep that mind open to that. And that question how can I be of service, what are you calling me to do, God, in this moment, I I had a horrible experience a number of years ago, and went to my, you know, spiritual mother, my mentor, and I said, I'm lost, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing, and she said, you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to go about your father's work, get up in the morning and go about your father's work. And moment by moment, you will know what that is. But I think in society, we've kind of kept church and state business and and our uh, beliefs uh, separate. And I think slowly we're starting to learn uh, that they overlap and they should overlap and we should be fearless in that way.
1: Well, I think what's also changed is this is my home office. So when when we've moved to remote work in many many cases now it's like okay company you're in my house now right and it's like now i can have those conversations and it you know it's not like the hr department standing down the hall listening to my conversation and so i can have a little bit more of a open dialogue with peers and and people that i work with so i think that yeah. that's changed a little bit
2: i think that's that's true i think these last several months have shifted things. As an entrepreneur, as a business owner, I do have a little more leeway than an employee might might have. But I have noticed over the last 18 months, 24 months, three years even, I'm getting bolder um, and having more conversations about these things uh, and people are grateful. I also think this whole last several months has caused people to be more receptive Uh, these conversations when life has been upside down and they're questioning what is going on and even questioning am I uh, on purpose Am, am I supposed to go back to work does life have more meaning than just go to work and pay the mortgage so I think people are more open to
1: the conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it's, you know, God has a plan. And even when it feels like what is going on, what's going to happen next, you, you really just have to tap into faith and, and know that everything's going to be okay. So at least that's, that's how I do it. Um, So let's, let's go back. But if we go back to when you're younger, like what, where were you raised? What was your passion? If you think about when we're kids, we're unfiltered by the world, right? We don't really, our parents haven't influenced us yet. We just wake up and we're like so amazed by what it is we see and do. What were those things that you liked to do when you were younger?
2: I was uh, born and raised in uh, Switzerland, a small village outside of Zurich. My parents were um, missionaries. So I was highly influenced by the Swiss culture which is very different than the American uh, culture. It's an inquisitive culture. It's a culture where you always want to to learn and gather knowledge. It's a culture that is about your neighbors, it's about community, it's about family, it's about friendship. Uh, It's a a very humble uh, culture. So there is a much, much influence, one of the biggest influences of, of Switzerland that started even as a child and runs to who I am today, is when you um, interact with a Swiss person, they will meet you where you are. It's like life starts at that moment. So they're not asking questions like Americans are... A, where'd you go to school, where were you raised, what degrees do you have, what zip code do you live in, what do you do for a living? Those are not questions. Those would be considered uh, rude uh, to ask those questions. So the relationship starts with unconditional acceptance of who you are and the relationship builds from that point uh, forward. So the relationships are more authentic. They're more Uh, based on just two people meeting rather than what can I get from this person or any kind of projections or expectations of that. So that had a great influence uh, on me as a child. So always uh, for me, it was about the connecting, the bonding, the getting to know someone uh, through friendship, through relationship. And I was endlessly curious about uh, others. I was also a little bossy so, <laughs> as, as a kid.
1: I love that. I had no idea. I read. I remember a book in, in my MBA program called Kiss, Bow, or Shake Hands. And so it was about Japan and China. And when you go to places, what are you supposed to do? Um, I'll have to find that book because I'll need to look up uh, Switzerland and figure out uh, what do they say about all that. That's neat. Very
2: fascinating. Yeah, that's, it's a very fascinating really... culture.
1: So, uh, so that is interesting. How does that understanding and what you learned there now tie to what you're doing with Zoracle profiles? I have to believe there's a there's a very solid tie to that.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I I hadn't consciously thought about it, but there definitely is a connection um, because that non-judgmental, total acceptance mode allows me as a human being and as a scientist to look at someone at face value. There's no judgment about their past, who their family was, of that. It's just who they are. So in the profiling business, I want to know objectively who you are. I don't want to project something onto you. I want to know truly what your gifting is. I want to truly know what uh, makes you tick, or, you know what your why is. So a combination of this endless curiosity with this non-judgmental, uh, this is just who you are.
1: Yeah, you were built and manufactured that way. So let's, <laughs> yeah. let's look into how you were built because you were built for a purpose and it's like, okay, that's cool. Let's compare purposes. <laughs>
0: yeah, let's yeah.
1: do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so neat. Wow. And it's funny. I love to tie those two things together. I learned this at an event that I did a four day workshop and he, this guy would do this in 12 minutes. And by the end, most people were kind of teared up like, Oh, I'm doing exactly what I should be doing because you just said, I haven't consciously looked at that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Our, our best life is unconsciously. It just, you know, we follow the river and where it takes us. So that's pretty neat that, That you're living in that i talked to a guy yesterday who who wrote a book called the ant and the elephant and he said the ant if you compare the size of the ant to the elephant that's your unconscious versus conscious right so conscious is the ant unconscious is the elephant and it's like imagine this little ant trying to tell the elephant what to do (laughs) it's like no you really have to get in tune with where the elephant's going and, and, you know, follow the elephant and not try to, uh, you know, not try to over-Einstein right. sometimes. That's a, great,
2: that's a great visual. Good Didn't way to it.
1: This guy was a recreational skier turned Olympian in four years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty That's
2: cool. a commitment.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so I'd like to ask you, uh, you know, all of my guests, this question, and that is, what can you share a painful memory? It's, uh, you know, something you're comfortable sharing, obviously and and how did you get through it like what were your strategies or tactics and of how you know and looking back maybe you didn't have a strategy at the time but looking back now you're like got it that that actually was an important piece of my life what 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 are you comfortable sharing
2: oh i have 3 that pop up into my head all that are somewhat complex um but i'm trying to think the one that would be easiest to describe it probably would be um, this idea that when my parents were on furlough from the mission field they split up Mm -hmm. and um, it was a traumatic thing Uh, my father as a pastor as a missionary at that time um, you know Southern Baptist uh, when there's a divorce or there's a split up uh, you are no longer allowed to be in a leadership role. So he lost his career uh, because of this. So to th- his purpose or what he believed to be his purpose was ripped away. And of course, we were dramatically traumatized too, because now we are um, being ripped away from our mother. My father stole us and took us to another state and we didn't see our mother for many, many years or even know that she was alive. So there was a lot of trauma around that. And uh I think, you know, the way I dealt with it was like a lot of kids, you just don't ask questions and you yeah, just bundle listen. it up
1: and shove it down as far as it'll go. <laughs> yeah.
2: no, and at some point the pain stops, or at least you think it stops, but I still think it affects me. Today, when I think about my father having to give up his career because of a major obstacle or, you know, choosing a a situation where a spouse didn't um, come alongside that, how traumatic that was for everyone and even in my business today a lot of what I do is about helping people find what their true purpose or gifting is and make sure they get into the right business so they can uh, express those God-given talents. So helping them get into the right business. So I think indirectly, there's been some benefit out of that, that trauma of watching someone gifted and talented have something ripped away. Now, obviously I can go into why wasn't he more tenacious? Why didn't he overcome those obstacles? You know, I find another way. Um, but it was traumatic enough as a child that I first did what a lot of children do is I just stuck my head in the sand, right? And, and continued on. But I do think it has um, carved out who I am in many ways and also created a business that helps others to
1: not experience that. It would be an interesting movie to say stories of missionary kids. I <laughs> I've I only met a handful and, and they're always very intriguing stories. Yes. Um, I, Dr. Jim Wilder is a neurotheologist and his parents were missionaries. I want to say in Africa. And as a kid, he was like, well, I don't even know if I believe in God. Right. And he questioned it. And so he, uh, these three girls, as he described it, and when he was a teenager, said, Hey, come to church with us. And then they kind of forced him and pushed him into doing the prayer at midnight because it was an all night thing. Right. And he's like, I don't know if I can do it because if I pray, then, you know, and I'm faking it, then God could be mad at me. But do I really believe in God? So he's struggling with all of this. Wow. But then he meets a kid at the church that night um, who said, Hey, I'm a little, I don't know either. So they said, why don't we just get together for the next, like, let's pray every night. Let's just make the decision to at least test this. And then we'll meet the next day and share notes and see what he told us. So he does this for like 20, 30 days in a row. And he goes, you wouldn't believe how almost word for word the, the story was that God told him every night. So he was like, okay, like we didn't talk. There, there has to, you know, I think of the Memphis wow. facility at FedEx. They ship all the packages into the middle and then they go out. Well, there's a single source of it all, right? The sort center. And so that was really, really wild. So then he's dedicated his whole life to neuro neuro work, but with a theology perspective to it. So it's really, really amazing. Yeah,
2: It is amazing how these things come about. And it all seems random at the time, right? Yes. It all seems chaotic and confusing, and even emotional and overwhelming. But uh, God, God is not a god of chaos. He He will He will straighten the lines out and and yes. draw the picture correctly for and us. And that's, that's when true.
1: when people, t- I have one good friend who just is like Chad. You don't understand population control. All this, he's bought in hook, line, and sinker to every single thing that's out there. And maybe he's right on 1% of it or 10 or 15. I don't know. But I'm, my answer to him is, hey, this is above our pay grade. There's a chess game being played by a good force. We always know wins and, an, and a bad force. And you know what? Let, let's let them play their chess game. Let's just have faith that it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. And we need to play our part in that chess game. So be in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing. And the game will end exactly as it was meant to end.
2: It's I the read the last that. chapter, didn't you?
1: <laughs> That's right. I read the last chapter too, and it's a good I chapter.
2: We know how it <laughs> ends.
1: The, yeah.
2: good, the, the good guys win. So, <laughs> hey, we're okay with that. But you're right. During that process, what role do we play? Um, because there, there is a ma- master chess player who, uh, and the forces of good and the forces of evil are clashing, and yes, we're noticing some mess around us because of it. But what is our role? Uh, what is our responsibility? And are we in any way called to worry and obsess? Uh, no.
1: Yeah. We're, we're not. Yeah. Move forward. Um, interesting. There, I do need to get you this link from from Dr. Wilder about trauma, and it would be something interesting for you to share with people probably because he worked with people that like were in wars and lost an arm and physical trauma and mental trauma. And it's this three-step process and I don't want to butcher it. So it's, it's something like when that, when any, you know, they can do this in like three minutes and it'll change the traumatic experience into a positive outcome and a positive mindset. And it's, you know, I'll find that link, I'll put it in the show notes because it's so, so good and I, I don't wanna mix it up, but it really basically says, uh, if you think of that event, like this person saw something coming at him and then his arm was gone. And so he that's the picture that he sees when he sees that. Well, they've put in place of that something positive and the, the way that they order that within three to four minutes, Every time you go back to try to think of that event, you don't think of the lost arm. Like it's yeah, the
2: picture's no longer there. It's pictures,
1: been, pictures wiped away. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's been reframed in some way and you can't have the same emotion attached to it any longer.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure if I think of some of those famous mindset speakers that are out there, they probably have a similar kind of a of a thing. But this is from the neurotheology perspective. So oh, I
2: would love to see it.
1: Um, So think about if you move forward, you know, you've moved to Arkansas, you're on a lake, you're by your kids, all that's amazing. And I think what a lot of people goof up in life is they, they're, they're always thinking like, well, in 10 years, if I could just have X and then they just keep chasing their tail. I met a woman at this restaurant in the mountains one time and she owned the bar. And so we, we were there early and it was like a restaurant bar and they had a band playing so we got to know her for like 10 minutes, just in the Switzerland sort of way, by the way, you know, yeah, we were kind yeah. of just getting to know her. <clears throat> well, she comes out and says, yeah, I won the lottery for 40 million in 1984. And it was the worst, the best day of my life and the worst day because wow. she lost her husband and all kinds of stuff happened. But I go and she goes, I've been through a lot of counseling. And she and I'm like, OK, let me guess. You came to the conclusion that you just need to be. And she was like,
0: how would yeah. you know? <laughs>
1: I'm like, well, I've talked wow. to a lot of people and all you have is this moment right now. So enjoy the lake, enjoy Arkansas, enjoy your kids when they're there. I mean it really is as simple as that, right? be amazed it
2: really is uh, The thing I always have to come back to because I'm highly driven as an entrepreneur, building an empire and, and finally at that place where I'm thinking about passing the baton or selling or whatever. Uh, it is learning to be you know to what is the what is it that's really important uh and you have to remind yourself otherwise you're on this you know hamster wheel you just go 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 because you've got a certain inertia or momentum and you don't stop to fully appreciate why we are here and why certain people are in our lives or what we're even called to do we just go into automatic pilot
1: Mm. so sometimes i ask the If I talked to you in three years from today, what would you say? I'm not going to ask that one today. I want to ask the, if you went back to talk to your younger self and let's not use 20, that's the number I usually use, pick an age, right? Because maybe it's when you were in those traumatic times, maybe it was immediately after, maybe whatever. If you could go tell yourself at some point years ago, something, what would that
0: be?
2: Well, uh, I think the first thing that pops up in my head is I'm divorced and I have two children. I think that I would tell my younger self, it's okay to get married again. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I was, I was taught that once married and divorced, I could never marry uh, again. And since then, of course, I've gotten into the scripture and I've learned that that is uh, a false uh, understanding of the scriptures so I think I would tell myself um not th- not to stay single I would I would choose to marry again
0: mm,
1: that's great that's a great one and other people funny enough like prayer number three that came through 77 pray we just launched this app two weeks ago uh-huh. the first one was a kid named Noah and God had been telling me about Noah all year like just everywhere I went Mm -hmm. To the point I flew to Kentucky and and went to the Noah's Ark experience. Wow. And then the very first prayer is Noah. Well, prayer number three or four, maybe five or six in the app, because it's only been out two weeks, is this woman who's been married for 30 years. And she said, I pray for peace. We're going in for mediation tomorrow. And that didn't go well. That was yesterday. And so now it's an ongoing, uh, it's going to move to the court. Cases next and i had just talked to a pastor that day who i don't know if he got divorced and remarried to the same person or separated and remarried to the same person and so you know i'm like holy cow god had me talk to this guy first and now this is in the app and we could you know i could kind of share the experiences and it's just it's amazing when when you let god be the hub like we talked about (laughs)
2: that's the key isn't it It, it really is
1: it really is and
2: to be in the word and to be in the word. So, I mean, it's an instruction manual uh, for, for life. Um, and sometimes we are not in it as often as we need to be. And I know when I was younger, I certainly wasn't, I was juggling, you know, working, surviving single parenting. Uh, so it was not a priority. It should have been.
1: <laughs> have you seen the show, The Chosen? yes i have i love it and i, I t- there, that's a common thread i'm hearing mm-hmm. it's really being spread virally because it's so well done um the credits are my favorite part when they play the music and it's like walk on the water well yeah. if you notice it's these gray fish swimming in the circle and then the one flips blue yeah my favorite is when the second one turns after the first one and i'm like so yeah, my my it. new job in life that I believe for the second half is turn gray fish blue. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Right. And I don't know how yet I have these conversations yesterday. We had a planning meeting with the living a better story team. And I'm like, I don't know why God's gotten me to do all these podcasts. I've done like 75 of these conversations and you learn a lot when you go deep with people, right? Your experience with this and this and this. And I go, wait a minute we were talking about running a monthly meeting in different cities called living a better story and getting people to come together because church is kind of on this decline religion, but the fire pit conversation, which is where living a better story was invented is a group of people that started one and one ended with 12. And then we were all sitting around the fire pit going, huh, what's going on in the world? What about our faith? Jewish woman comes over. We're like, it's not about, race, color, creed and religious background. It's about connection to the hub. (laughs) And so now we said, wait, we've recorded, I go, we've recorded 70 conversations. We can go in and say, let's pull the piece that says, what role does faith play in your journey? Tell me about the hardest thing that happened in life. We can play that segment. That's two to three minutes and then ask questions as a group and talk about that.
2: Create a conversation. Yeah. Create a conversation and they're smaller conversations. It's not a pastor in front of 3000 people and a one way yes. at communication. It is a conversation. It's more intimate. It's a, It's <laughs> similar to uh, what I'm doing with the Coterie for Women and the Franchise Woman. It's a more intimate situation. Yes. The goal uh, is to create those relationships to build, in my case, sisterhood, Mm -hmm. based on biblical principles around the idea of friendship. Jesus modeled what a true friend is up to and including the ultimate sacrifice. And I think we are a society that no longer understands friendship, if there's not an ROI, meaning you can't connect me to someone that'll make me a million dollars, or you know, someone, or you have some uh, wisdom, uh, if there's not a direct ROI, all of a sudden, we don't have friends, yeah. and we're uh, yeah. through social media, that friends are simply people we, you know, like their comments and various social
1: platforms, uh, unconditional love is what's demonstrated. And that's so it's funny. <laughs> my wife was picking up my daughter who flew back from Orlando two days ago. And so she had just said something to me that all of a sudden the bell rang in my head. She's, we have a pond in the back that's small with like five fish. And she goes, you know, where's the rake? I need to pull all those lily pads out that are really stinky. Right. And so I'm out there in the backyard watering some plants. And I'm like, wait, she asked me for that. And I told her where the rake was. And I'm like, this is an opportunity, this is unconditional love opportunity. And I just yanked them all down to like four, right? It took 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, now I really should cut the grass because it's really long and I was out for two weeks. So we did that. And I'm and it and it feels so good when you're yeah. when you're unconditional love, right? There's no expectations on the back of that.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now you're talking Swiss.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, this now is now cool. you're
2: talking Swiss. And what's fascinating about that is love is a commandment. It's not an emotion, which is what we're being taught, especially in the U S we're being taught that it's an emotion. And if we don't feel it, then of course, we shouldn't have to behave it, but that's not what the scripture tells us. It tells us we are to love. It's a commandment. And that includes acts of service like you are provided. Here's what's fascinating. I experienced this myself I had a student one time uh, that was difficult, at minimum difficult, in every possible way unlovable. (laughs) And I found myself doing things for her, including picking her up and taking her uh, to church. And over a period of a few months of serving her, even though she was difficult and in my opinion quite unlovable, my love began to go. I started to see who she really uh, was. So, those acts of service, the de- uh, unconditionalness of it, that I'm not going to get anything back, will help us develop those feelings of, of love. It comes as we uh, act on the command. Love yourself.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's really, really, really powerful stuff. And it's um, all it, you commanded to love. Like that, that's really, really, really well said. I think that needs to be a lesson. Okay, final question. And it's packing time. Uh, and that is we've kind of already touched on it, but I like to ask it anyway. And that is what role does faith play in your journey in your life? Yeah
2: life, in my business, um, it's, it's the the scriptures are my roadmap, if I don't have an answer uh, to a business situation, an employee situation, a client situation, whatever it is, I simply go to the scriptures and, and say, what about, and there's always uh, an answer. Uh, My clients, uh, my team know where I stand, and with each year that passes, uh, my clients are becoming more and more comfortable coming to me and asking me uh, questions. But most importantly, I think we are supposed to be a model, even if we're not called specifically to evangelize or uh, disciple or whatever other gifting we might have. I think we are called to be a mirror of Christ, to be Christ-like. So I hope that my day-to-day way that I do business um, and live my life as a, a grandma and a mom, that it is an example of that. It isn't
1: always, obviously. <laughs> but- so, so, yeah, right. Well, and that's why, yeah, there's only one who does exactly perfect. Yeah. And all we can do is try to approximate that. It's. I talked to another guy who was in prison, meth addict, everything. And he, the word he chose to use is he was broken. Mm-hmm. This is my body broken for you. He approximated Jesus more than most people in society. And therefore he can empathetically understand what Jesus went through and go, I get it. I've got the coat on. And then he goes, father, I can, I can't do it myself. He was like, I had two choices. I could take the razor blade out of my shaver and walk into the back at the prison and slowly melt away because the blood would go into the drains by cutting my wrist or give it all to God. And he goes, I decided it was into thy hands. Oh Lord, I commend my spirit. And it was like, he goes, you wouldn't believe the rushing messages. God talked to him and said, you got to go do this and this and amend this and apologize for that. His wife and son, his wife divorced him. son, And he goes, "I, I would have too. It's the right thing. A year later, she gets back on meth, comes back to him and said, Hey, you found Christ. I can't handle it. Will you take our son back and raise him? And he was like, I was so happy. But my point is someone that's like Jesus. It's easier. How do you put it? Someone in a suit that thinks they're being godly by tithing with 10% is actually that guy's closer to the understanding of Jesus, because he was broken and had to decide. You're the only way. And it's it's wild. Two things happened to me this year that caused me to feel in that state. I wasn't as broken as him. But I can empathize with, Oh, I get it. God, what do you need me to do with the rest of my life? And it's ever since that turn, it's like, wait a second, the gifts he has for you are out of this earth.
2: (laughs) You weren't weren't broken in the same way. I'm not broken in the same way. You know, if you break a piece of bread, it's not always going to break in the same way or Voss in the same way, but we're all broken and desperately Uh, in need of a savior
1: um it's it's yeah superman where are you now well there's a book for that (laughs) exactly um interest i want to leave you with one thing in the app 77 pray when you pray for someone and i don't even know how we got this feature there it was a god feature so i go to pray for someone and i'm not a biblical scholar i i've read enough. And my parents read enough to me when I was a kid that I know the basics, but with this app, if I'm praying for someone, think of a word, faith or love, let's just do love. So if I search, so I'm praying for someone, I search love. It looks through all the Bible and every verse with the word love in it comes up
2: This is brilliant.
1: and it, and then you, that's what I get to post to that prayer thread, right? I can give my own human thoughts to it, But I can also share the biblical thoughts, and so I go in and look at this and say, "We love because He first loved us." One John four nineteen, send, and now it's like, oh, biblically, that gave me guidance of what I should be doing next and what I can. It also
2: teaches us how to pray the word. We're instructed, so if we're using the word as we pray, we have a we have a sword there because you know to go against whatever is the opposite of that so pray the word so if you have access to 300 scriptures on a particular issue that you have pray the word
1: wow yeah and that'll completely in sales there's there's uh you know the art of war and it's if you have a three to one advantage then you go frontal attack if you Mm -hmm. don't you go around the side so think about when you're when you have a frontal advantage and you've got 87 verses with love in it and you're just going boom boom
2: (laughs) and on you ain't got a chance so you know i got a machine gun here with, with. <laughs>
1: right. yeah. oh this is really fun well rebecca monet this has been amazing um we didn't get as much as i like into the zoracle profiles but uh if people want to reach you and and get a hold of you to to have a conversation how would they reach out to you
2: so the two best ways of course linkedin always rebecca monet m-o-n-e-t uh, on linkedin uh, i think i'm the only one on the planet so that'll be easy or, uh, profiles, uh .com is the website.
1: Outstanding, amazing conversation. Uh, you know, with uh, I'll send you a release form, and maybe we'll need to put this conversation in uh, one of the Living a Better Story training classes someday <laughs> or a piece of it.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a
1: plan. Outstanding. Thanks so much. Enjoy your family, enjoy your new home there at the lake, and uh, God's peace to you.
0: Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.